Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host, and we're live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, guys, you know, we're a law enforcement talk show, and we talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. That's the twist. And uh, we've got Lieutenant Randy Sutton, retired from Las Vegas Metro Police Department. So uh, welcome to the show, Randy. I know that you're, uh, are you all geared up for that summit, Randy? Are you all prepared for all that? How's the stress level going? <laughs> the stress level, we're, 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 uh, we're rising today because the summit actually starts tomorrow. Um, the speakers are starting to come in. And this is very exciting. This is going to be our best attended National Law Enforcement Survival Summit yet. And uh, for all of those uh, officers who are watching or listening to this, we're already starting to uh, prepare for next year. So if you couldn't come to this year, make sure you go to our website, thewoundedblue.org. By the way, we have a brand new website. If you haven't visited our website, uh, literally went up last week. So check that out and keep an eye on it because we're going to be announcing real soon 2024's National Law Enforcement Survival Summit, and you you want to get in early this time. All right, excellent. That's what I want to hear. Hey, a shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, AU Fire at aufire.com. More information about them coming up. Uh, Gauls, uh, globalordinance.com, gunlearn.com, mymedicare.live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. Yes, I do have the, uh, it is the Cherry Blade Lemonade. Fantastic flavor. Uh, so thanks, Bang, for the fuel. Also, shout out to Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com. Uh, thanks for carrying our content. And also, Ray Dietrich at RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming the eight locations right now. No, YouTube is not one of those. We replace YouTube with Rumble. And, uh, yeah, you know, three of the locations belong to Red Voice Media, and those three Facebook pages alone have about a million followers. So, yeah, we're not missing YouTube too much at all right now. Uh, so, guys, we've got a, a great lineup. You know, the uh, the main topics have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. And, man, do we have one uh, that we're starting off with there. So on lawofficer.com, the title of this article is written by one of our favorites. It's Chief Joel Schultz. It says, Losing Small Town Police Departments. Now, it is true that, you know, when I'm grabbing stories every week, Randy, I'm, you know, I'm always coming across entire agency retired or chief quitting. All the all the cops, you know, beneath them retired as well. This has been going on for, for years. So the article starts off saying that defining a small agency, it's tricky. And this has got some interesting stats that I'll bet you most of our listeners don't know because I did not even realize this. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, so the DOJ, approximately 70, that's 70% of police agencies, they serve communities of fewer than 10,000 thousand people okay 70 percent serve less than ten thousand people now over 90 percent of local law enforcement agencies they employ fewer than 50 sworn people officers and deputies wow so again that's over 90 percent have have uh, less than 50 people working there and they serve populations of less than fifty thousand. wow so that's some uh, interesting stats but the small town police departments are drying up so the disappearance of local police departments it's a it's a loss of part of a town's identity, according to the article. It also removes direct accountability for law enforcement services from the control of town councils and the residents. Law enforcement involvement in community activities, a core element of community policing, it can suffer with an outside agency having less connection to the citizenry. It also goes on to say that on the plus side, there's no evidence that crime actually increases in most cases when a town's police department is eliminated. Sheriff's offices usually use the advantage of scale and resources to potentially provide an equal or even better uh, quality of policing. So they kind of absorb the area, which is in the county anyhow. In most jurisdictions, the office of sheriff is still an elected position and therefore is subject to the voters and a democratic accountability and independence from outside influences. So 
If you don't, if you're not happy with what's going on, you simply boot out the sheriff and vote in a new one, right? It also closes by saying that residents may celebrate a lament the loss of small police departments, but they all want someone with a badge and a gun to answer their 911 call, which is uh, which is so true. Um, so that said, Randy, what's your take on this article? You know, this was a really interesting article. I didn't even know those stats. So I thought they were a little different. Um, and I, I, this is a double-edged sword. I, I, I like this discussion because I served for 10 years on a small police department in New Jersey. And we had less than, we had 30, 32 officers. And we covered an area of only 1.5 square miles. Now, wow. that was, it was called the borough of Princeton. Now, surrounding that was Princeton Township which had a much larger area, but had the same amount of officers. And for years, they tried to consolidate, but because of the politics involved, they didn't. Well, after I left, they finally did. And so they have more resources. Now also, I all, then I came to Las Vegas and I worked for a Metropolitan Police Department, which, which meant that the city of Las Vegas Police and the, and the Clark County Sheriff combined in 1972 because that way you consolidate the services. So I personally feel that uh, that having a larger agency is actually better business for the people who are being served because uh, small town resources are really, really tough. And, uh, and same thing with benefits, with, with safety issues. You have three police officers working in a town and there's no backup. So um, I, I actually believe in the consolidation of resources. So, and that's interesting, Randy. I know that, uh, you know, my, I worked for Tampa for 30 years. It's a thousand man police agency. Um, so a, uh, thousand so a, officer uh, police agency. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Randy. So I'm going to throw a, not a wrench, but I'm just going to throw an observation of this. So we talked about seeing the, the, the trajectory of the DOJ and officers being charged and stuff. And we have been saying for quite a while on the show that, that we see a pendulum swing, a movement to get a national police force. We, you know, they want national mm -hmm. standards. They want, so we're talking about the small town police agencies drying up. Um, how does this fit in with the potential on having a national police force that is controlled at the national level? And so, and where I go yeah. with that, you have concerns over, let's just say that you've got whoever the powers that be with any presidential regime, let's just say they want the guns, for instance. Now you've got a, a, a national police force that follows national orders or national directive. You send them door to the door, those kinds of things. So where's this playing to that? Yeah, that's a really, that's a strong consideration. I do, I absolutely um, do not want to see a federalized police force. That is, that is way way dangerous i so i'm a i'm a believer in in the local jurisdictions but i'm also a believer in um in the best police services that can be obtained so you know by by whether it's a sheriff's department that takes over for for the and and, and brings in the resources from the small towns that are in their jurisdiction um i just believe that there's a smart way to go about this but you're 100 percent right in that uh, we've seen we've seen a movement towards federalizing, and that's really, in my opinion, that's exceedingly dangerous for the rights of the people in this country. 
Yeah, that that is scary. So people that watch the show, um, and, and look, we I I I've heard people call it three dimensional thinking, but you know, just don't take the news that you get. Obviously, we put a law enforcement twist on it, or 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 from a law enforcement perspective. But this is one of those law enforcement perspective things that that is really important because if you're just watching the news on another network, they're not going to be seeing this coming, or they're not going to be telling you about it. And so we we see the potential. The, the crisis, I mean, the danger of this is what Randy's talking about. And just so that you guys are aware, if anyone tells you that a national police force federation or whatever is something that's going to be good for American citizens, we need to rethink that because we can be here all day telling you the disaster that that's going to be. And we can point to other areas where it's done and prove to you that, it, that, it, that it's going to be going down the wrong road. Now, but I, I want to, I want to throw another, another, um, a situation in in this discussion and that is i am a believer in uniform training for law enforcement officers which is something that we're not seeing i mean in my view every police officer should be given the the best training possible at their especially at their in their basic levels but you'll see a, a huge variety of of uh of curriculums in different in different agencies and different cities, different states. So somebody who's trained in, in, at LAPD's academy is going to have a different training experience than say somebody in a small town in, in Kansas. And, th and that, is a, that is an issue that I think should be addressed, that there should be uniform training offered to police officers across the country. And you're really talking about a national standard for training is really what you mean, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and and, and you know what? Uh, I, I tell you, I, I still would love to see a, a, a national policeman's bill of rights. You know, you don't have it everywhere, um, right. and, 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 that's, and that's sad. I mean, we have one in Florida, uh, but there are certain, although I know Captain Brett doesn't like the feds getting involved in too much, and I, and, and I do agree with that, but national standards, because you're right, national standards we need we are so we're so aware that we need them because we cover these things every day right we cover we've covered thousands of use of force situations and it all boils down the training like you said randy and it's just simply not equal these agencies it's no fault of the cops that the agency isn't giving them the training or maybe not even able to give them the training that they absolutely need to do the job but boy we see the deficits in training all across the country and that's just sad well let's talk about hiring requirements too you know um there are no standard hiring requirements. So, you know, and, and as a result, we've seen people being hired who should never be wearing a badge. You know, we saw this in, um, in with the, the situation with the three police officers who killed that individual down in uh, Tennessee. Now you're right. You're right. And now, of course, uh, illegal immigrants are being offered, you know, badges in some locales <laughs> as well. So, I mean, you know. But it's time for our first commercial break. So, guys, stay with us. A lot of good stuff coming up. We'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust speed of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with spotlights, one-click automating tracking feature, and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight was built specifically for redaction, designed to work with video from any camera source, and using uh, Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. 
and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using Pathet Super Resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get, wow, you get forensically valid evidence from just low quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com. Again, that's motiondsp.com. Now, hey, that brings us to our latest sponsor, aufire.com. So AUFIRE stands for Accuracy Under Fire, and it's at aufire.com. So AUFIRE, it's the gold standard in tactical simulation. So for the first time ever, agencies and LEOs can safely simulate being hit by gunfire, knives, and other objects in AUFIRE's dynamic force-on-force scenarios. So you ever wonder uh, how your officers would react or wish you could train them in real-world situations? And now you can, all while improving their decision-making, return fire accuracy, and life preservation skills. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Um, so, so Randy, did we? I think we exhausted the last topic. If uh, if there's nothing else, we can move on to the uh, to the next one involving uh, the Secret Service. But Randy, did you have anything yeah, you want yeah. that or? Nope, I think we I think we burned it down. <laughs> burned it down. Okay, so hey, on lawofficer.com, you know, I uh, I know that we we had someone from Secret Service scheduled. There were some technical difficulties, but Robert Kennedy Jr. needs Secret Service protection immediately. So in this article, it talks about if we told you that a popular presidential candidate with the last name of Kennedy has been denied Secret Service protection despite threats on his life, an intruder found in his home. And there was an incident on a Friday recently where a man carrying loaded pistols impersonating a U.S. Marshal's, uh, a marshal was arrested at the candidate's rally. You would think that uh, we were the Babylon B, according to the article. According to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that's exactly what's happened. So Kennedy, who's a Democrat, who announced a primary challenge to President Biden earlier this year, he is being rejected protection by the Biden administration. So I know most of us aren't really aware of how that works. And so here's a uh, here's a quote. Um, saying that typical turnaround time for a uh, pro former protection request from the presidential candidates, it's 14 days. So this is what Kennedy wrote at the time in a lengthy statement posted on X, which, of course, is Twitter. After 88 days, now, of course, he says that normally it takes only 14 days, two weeks, right? After 88 days, so that's about, what, nine or three, what have we got? 88 days, about three months um, of no response. And after several follow-ups by our campaign, the Biden administration just denied a request. And he said that I'm still entertaining the hope that President Biden will allow me Secret Service protection. This is what Kennedy's posting. Um, I am the first presidential candidate in history to whom the White House has denied a request for protection. Wow. Now, that is that is scary reading that. And he's a Democrat and he's running for president and he's a Kennedy. Wow. Randy. We we're seeing a, a historic issue here with this presidential administration. It is the most lawless um, presidential administration in, as far as I know, in recent history. Um, we we see that that they uh, uh, they they flaunt the law when it comes down to immigration. The corruption that is so evident by this president and his family is astounding, and. Now um, you see that that there is absolutely no um, responsibility from this administration to do what would be the norm in 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 all of these situations. They don't care about about what is the right thing to do, and they are they know that there are going to be no consequences, and so they flaunt the uh, they flaunt their power. 
And, and this is another example of that. There's, this is a man that, that is a legitimate candidate. He's not some crazy loon who, who's wearing a tinfoil hat saying, I'm going to run for president. This guy's a serious candidate. And he is, by, by the historical issues, someone whose life should be guarded by the Secret Service during an election. They don't care, and, uh, we're, and they, they will flaunt their power at every every turn. Yeah, scary stuff. Uh, this is Butter just posted something, you know, that I that I put on the uh, on the stream, but um, you know, about the Secret Service being authorized. Um, gives the code number, the reference to it to protect the presidential candidates. And he talks about within 120 days of a general presidential election. So I don't know how that plays into this, but given the history, like you said, like you touched on Randy and everything that's happened. Um, could you imagine something happens to this candidate because the Biden administration refused him protection? Could you imagine the the fallout from that, or or, or would there be any? I, I don't think there will be any. I think that that um, the base that that still supports Biden, I, I don't. I swear, I cannot understand how his polls are still around thirty six percent. Are are the thirty six percent that that believe that this is a, an effective president? Uh, are they living in a cave somewhere? Because all you have to do is watch him uh, give a speech and you realize that he's not competent, let alone not even talking about the, the misconduct and corruption that is, that is raining down upon him from all of these sources. And still you have people that, that um, say that he's, he's the answer. I, I mean, it's it's mind-boggling to me. It really, truly is. You know, uh, yeah. and I'm still and I'm still in shock every time. You know, my wife comes back from the grocery store telling me about you know the prices of this and that. But of course, I'm having to pay you know pay for gas anyhow too. So um, I'm with you. I'm we're, you're preaching to the choir. I get it. Um, so guys, moving along, let's get to a story that's got a video component. Look for our audio listeners, people watching us on podcast and radio stay loyal to your radio and podcast outlets guys um you know we're going to describe in great detail what's going on so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything so uh on this next one uh at rumble.com and it's our favorite law enforcement video channel called this is butter so sapd and that is the san antonio police department these officers fatally shoot um um they shoot um i guess SAPD officers fatally shoot wanted for four aggravated robberies when he pointed a BB gun at officers. Get your fucking heads! Get on the fucking ground now! Get on the ground before I fucking shoot you! Get on the ground before I fucking shoot you! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on the fucking ground! So I think the article, it's, it's mistyped. But the bad guy uh, was wanted for four armed robberies, and he uh, had a BB gun in his possession. But the way this thing goes down, it's absolutely crazy. So on Labor Day evening, the San Antonio Police Department said that officers are trying to apprehend a guy uh, wanted for aggravated robbery when he may have fired at police, resulting in officers firing back and killing him. Uh, and a, this is a bona fide bad guy, a robber, right? So newly released footage from the incident shows police confronting the suspect. His name is uh, Jacob String. And police said that he refused officers' orders before saying that he needed to make a call. It's all on video, and and they say, you know, allegedly, police say this, police say that, but it's it's easy to tell from the video that this is all this is all accurate. The officer can be seen deploying his taser 
on our bad guy as he's walking away. But what happens next is going to blow your minds. Wait till you hear this, guys. Commercial break. We'll be right back. Well, certainly by now, if you guys have been following our program for any amount of time, you're familiar with Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. And not just Gauls, but it's really, it's the new Gauls. I mean, back in the day when they had these huge catalogs going through the mail, they can't even get close to putting all the gear that they that they carry now in those catalogs. Everything's online. Customer service is is up to a new level now. So Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett, always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't been there lately, you need to go there now. Gauls.com slash Leo. And notice I said, clothing, equipment, and gear provider, and they have a uniform program that is second to none. Even my former agency, we got rid of the two companies we were dealing with. We have a Gauls uniform office on the second floor lobby of the Tampa Police Department. They're absolutely killing it. So Gauls.com slash Leo, check them out and check them out today. So, hey, guys, now it's time to talk about GlobalOrdinance.com. So get ready for a coupon code from Global Ordnance, your ultimate destination for ammo. GlobalOrdnance.com provides high-quality ammunition for all of your shooting needs, ensuring precision, reliability, and unmatched performance. So for a limited time only, and it's getting ready to end, they're offering free shipping on all ammo orders over $200 with their exclusive coupon code, which just happens to be Leo Roundtable. So go to GlobalOrdnance.com today, explore the wide selection of ammo, use coupon code Leo Roundtable for free shipping on your order, globalordinance.com. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact mymedicare.live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby, meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays, find plans that your doctors accept, and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, mymedicare.live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we left off talking about a, a San Antonio a police officer fatally shooting a bad guy who was wanted for aggravated batteries, or robber, aggravated robberies, big difference. Said that he had a BB gun, but also in the article that he might have shot at police too before he, he was shot. But anyhow, uh, they're giving the guy commands. He's refusing to follow the officer's commands. Um, he said he's got to make a call. So an officer can be seen deploying his taser on our bad guy, whose name is String, S-T-R-I-N-G, as he's walking away. Now, at which point String can be seen turning and pointing what appears to be a gun at police as he falls to the ground. So, you know, the taser does weird things to you, right? And you lock up and stuff. So this guy had a gun in his possession. So when they tase him and the officer tased him, that's the closest guy to the bad guy. He's got a, a less lethal, okay, less lethal tool. Not, not lethal, less lethal. So the bad guy's got a gun. And so when he turns around in the middle of being tased and now all of a sudden that gun's pointed right back at the officer that's holding the taser, not a fair fight, right? Officers that are there that actually have their guns out, they respond by shooting at the bad guy. At least a dozen shots can be heard in the video, and he's pronounced dead at the scene. So uh, it ends it ends the correct way, but wow, what we had to go through to get there, Randy, that was scary. Really? Uh, and, you know, deploying that taser, um, we, you know, we don't know if they knew that he was armed at the time, but he was wanted for armed robbery. Um, but they, they didn't see the gun in his hand until the taser activation. And then, I mean, he, he was pointing that gun right at him and they just opened up. They did, they did the right thing. Um, hundred percent. And, uh, uh, but it's, it was 
that that situation evolved very rapidly and really shows how um, how literally in a, in a split second uh, police interaction can go from uh, you know from a ground floor to you know t- top level uh, use of force. And you know the, the nice thing about you know the uh, the video uh, was that you know they had a slow motion freeze frame on this thing. And uh, thanks to this is butter. So uh, that was, I mean, no doubt this guy had the cop in his sights. And I mean, and look, this cop could have got shot. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt when you look at the video, look at the freeze frame and stuff and look at the position of the bad guy, the proximity and stuff. Oh my gosh, how the cop survived. Yeah. That's just, that's a gift from God. And that, although it said it was a BB gun, that looked like, that didn't look like a BB gun to me. That looked like a real firearm to me. Yeah, well, I, and let's face it, even with a, you know, and Captain Bartlett brings good points when he's on the show, because even if it was a BB gun, and you had reason to believe it's a BB gun or knew that it's a BB gun, you know, for lethal force, you don't have to be in fear of death. Um, Serious bodily injury would, does the trick as well. Plus, I mean, let's face it, BB gun can easily take your eye out or, what, or whatever, but it could also sure. hit you in the right spot. It could kill you too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a, uh, just a bad situation all the way around. Yeah, it just had a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I, mean, I understand things can happen. Uh, there are times when you will go less lethal with a taser, not be aware that a bad guy's got a gun, and then in the middle of all this going down, he can pull the gun. So it's not, we're not saying that, you know, uh, we're just saying the cop cop is lucky it, it ended the way it did. But just sometimes things happen outside your control where you can end up having a taser on a bad guy that's actually got a gun at. But thank God the guys that he worked with that the cop worked with, they, they did their jobs. Wow. Um, so, so we got another, another great story coming up. That's also got a video component as well. So, uh, we're still on our favorite channel. This is uh, butter, which is at rumble.com, uh, Birmingham officer punches and knocks out a suspect who spat on a person and an officer. What's up? What's up? What you want to do? Sit down, man. Put your hands on your back. Put your hands on your back right now. Put your hands on your back. Ooh. He's so heavy. He's so heavy. He's so uh so listen to this guys uh, so a birmingham police department video cam uh it's been released and it was from an arrest on friday the police department said that the incident happened on wednesday after all this responded to report of a disorderly person in a place called Underwood Park. So four officers respond to two separate locations in relation to this same call. So two of the officers come across a guy who said that while he was walking in the park, he was approached by a man who ended up spitting on him. Spitting is normally a, a, a battery. So while the officers were gathering more information to make a report, the second set of officers, they see a guy who matches the clothing description of the guy who spit on the complainant. When the officers approach this guy, suspected of the spitting, and he's identified as 28-year-old Theodore Williams. Um, bad guy, Williams, 
he flees on foot like most bad guys do, right? So the first set of officers get into the patrol car and they start driving around and they come across Williams who's fleeing on foot. So once the officers approach Williams, our bad guy, Williams told the officer that he would physically assault him and then he proceeded to strike the officer with a closed fist. Wow. Now Williams flees again and the chase is back on. So the other officer deploys a taser. It's not successful. Williams eventually stops again. Now remember, he's, uh, he's being chased by another officer. This happens again. So he turns and he faces the officer and he stands his ground as the officer's running up on him. And he was told to turn back around and place his hands behind his back, but he refuses to. And what's he do? He spins on the officer and he's in very close proximity to this officer. This officer, a little bit different than the other officer he spent on. This officer, man, it is game on. This officer smack, takes him down to the ground. Officer starts striking Williams multiple times with a closed fist. Williams is then handcuffed, later treated by Birmingham Fire and Rescue. And although there's no serious injuries to the officer or to our bad guy, Williams, Williams is charged with assault with bodily fluids, interesting, physical harassment, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct. Wow. So, Randy, um, you know, I thought that the, um, I thought that it was the resist was a beautiful thing, actually. I don't usually say that about a risk, but in this particular case, it was a beautiful thing. Your, your take on this, Randy. Yeah, that it, it, this was uh, this was a true smackdown oh, yeah. <laughs> on, on every level. Uh, and this guy seriously got what he deserved. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that I didn't read in the in the uh, notes on this that um, that the officer was under investigation for excessive force. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, if that had happened in New York City or L.A., this thing would have been all over the all over the news. Um, and uh, it, you know, it happened in Birmingham. And I guess they, they're allowed to take care of business in Birmingham because I didn't read anything about any complaints against the officer. And yep. uh, it was it was uh, it was a thing of beauty to watch. Now, there was um, there was a civilian when the body cam got knocked off when he's doing the melee on the bad guy. And so we've got civilians that are like look like they're in a car and they're like filming the, the beat down. Right. One thing in the officer's favor, I'm glad the civilians um, had had a microphone on their cell phone because you could hear the officer yelling out commands to the bad guy as he's punching him. And a lot of the, a lot of them are, fa are facial strikes, but that's what, that was what he had available to hit at. And he was yelling out, put your hands behind your back, put your hands. But so he is doing the melee on him, but he's given police commands, which, which takes, it's just a smart, it's just a smart way to do it. Cause you can prove that the guy was not following police commands and you're actually telling him what you want him to do in order to alleviate you know, the pain that he's going through. Right. So uh, it, it was really, it, in my opinion, it backed up the officer. I, I agree. Doesn't mean he's not going to get investigated for it, you know, anywhere else. But, but yeah, I, I was completely okay with the way he did everything. And, you know, there, there's a, there's misinformation out in the world that, that police officers aren't allowed to strike suspects. And that's not true. You know, you're allowed to use the force necessary to affect the arrest. And if that means a strike to the face, then you're it's okay. You're allowed to do that. Now, of course, you know there's always that excessiveness that can take place. You know, once the once the subject is taken into custody, but um, but physical strikes are are part of the force continuum. Yeah, and and guys, that's a good point, Randy. A lot of people don't understand that. And 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 I don't know, Randy. You might have been a, a, a defensive tactic instructor too. I don't know, but I you know when we teach cops to fight, 
Um, we're not on the same playing field, the same level as the bad guy. We are one step above. So let's say that the bad guy wants to go fisticuffs. He just wants to have a, you know, have a, a street fight with you hand to hand. You know, you're typically, unless your skill set, you, maybe you've got an MMA background or whatever, but you're going to usually go the impact weapon. You're going to fight that guy, but you're not going to have your fist. Instead of that, you're going to have an impact weapon. So you're going to have an expandable baton or, or something along those lines. But if he's got an expandable baton or something along those lines, you're elevating it to the next level where you're going to have your firearm out. So that's the way that it works. So we're not on a level playing field with a bad guy. We're in one step ahead and uh, or above that. And like Randy said, we're authorized to use as much force as necessary to affect the arrest up to and including deadly force. You know, I, I, I learned early on in my career not to punch people because inevitably it hurt me more than it hurt him eventually down the road. Yeah. So, so I didn't do a lot of punching except for in extreme circumstances when you've got nothing else and you're literally in a fight. I mean, there are times when that's what happens. So, uh, but you know, when, when we're talking about, about you using the, the force necessary, um, you want to conserve your own safety. And that's really what it comes down to is, is you want to walk away intact. Yeah, that, that is always uh, pre uh, preferable that, that you walk away. I absolutely agree. Um, so, guys, we got some more good stuff coming up. So stick with us. We got Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas Metro. We'll be right back. All right, guys, you know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, however, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step -step program it takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, competent, and certified, accurate firearm specialist. So they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point in time to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. Again, that's GunLearn.com. Check them out. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from Boss Hog Radio in Plant City. Um, Randy, you're up. Did we? What did we? Are we, are we, we done with what, what? What were we talking about? Oh my! Well, we were, we were talking about our, our, our latest video shooting, but you know what? There's a story that we're holding that I want to jump into, and it's London. What's going on in London police? We don't get oh, yeah. we don't get over across the pond often, but these guys, these cops, turn in their guns. And there's a little bit of educational information in the article about how many cops actually in you know in England have guns. So on LawOfficer.com, we got London police turning their guns in after a colleague is charged with murder. So, I mean, look, it happens all the time over here, right? But in London, so London police force said on Sunday that some of the officers are refusing to conduct armed patrols after a colleague was charged with murder in the fatal shooting of an unarmed black man. So a Metropolitan Police marksman was charged on Wednesday over the September 2022 shooting death of Chris Caba, who is 24 years old. This happened roughly a year ago. Kaba was killed after officers in an unmarked vehicle pursued and stopped the car he was driving. He was struck by a single bullet fired through the windshield as he sat in the Audi. 
So racism has been blamed on the incident, but a number of officers have taken the decision to step back from armed duties uh, while they consider their position, according to Metropolitan Police. So the AP reported that only about one in 10 of London police officers carry firearms. So one in 10. And the ones that do carry guns, they undergo special training. The BBC said that more than 100 officers have turned in their firearm permits and that police from neighboring forces are having to be called in to help patrol London on Saturday night. And armed officers in England and Wales, they fired their weapons just four times in the year 2022. Four times. Wow. So you seen a trend here, Randy? Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, you know, and and I went to I went to England and and actually um, talked to a number of English police officers, British cops at Scotland Yard, and I was shocked at the at, at their reaction to uh, the discussion of carrying guns. I had police officers tell me when if if I'm ordered to carry a, carry a gun, I'm I'm going to quit the department. I mean, there really is, it, it's very dramatic. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a point of contention within, the, within Scotland Yard about actually being armed. Um, at that point, at that time, uh, these, those that were armed, the, the, the guns were actually locked in a safe in their patrol car, and they had to have authorization in order to remove the firearm. I don't know if that's changed in the in the ensuing years, but um, I can I, I mean I certainly understand. We don't know what the facts were about the about the shooting, but you know when you're going to charge a cop with murder, and uh, I don't blame them for for um, taking this under consideration and saying to themselves and to the department, if you're not going to back us up, you're going to charge us. Um, then you know I'm going to rethink my my position. On, on being armed. It makes sense to me. So they probably think that we're a bunch of cowboys over here in the States, don't they? <laughs> oh, oh it, was, it was actually comical. So I actually spoke to, they, it's interesting in, in, um, in London, they're not allowed to go into restaurants and eat. They have actually mess halls that, that the police officers eat at. They don't, they're not allowed to go into establishments. So I was, I was speaking to a, a large group of these officers about policing in America. And they actually thought that, that police officers here in the United States literally get into a gunfight every single day. Oh, they, seriously. Oh, it was, it was amazing to me. They, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they, they think that, that that's what we do. We go out and we get in gunfights all the time. And when I explained the realities, it was, it was very interesting that the reaction that they had, Wow, that that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just playing that 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 moment over in my head and how it went down. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, all right. Well, look, um, we've got just over five minutes, and we've got another story with a video component, and this gives me some hope, Randy. Um, it's on Police One. It's titled "Good Samaritan Helps LAPD." So we're in California, and this Samaritan helps LAPD end a pursuit by using a pickup truck to pin a suspect's vehicle there on the yeah. right side it and it looks like this driver almost in a panic oh, now and a truck may be getting involved possibly blocking him in this truck 
it's 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 hard this to tell is, if this truck is trying to get involved no, or if this is just like accidental. It's absolutely but the, intentionally but trying the, uh, to get involved. The in uh, this. suspect driver is almost pinned in there. You can see LAPD seeing uh, seeing the situation, and the suspect has hands out of the window. This is definitely a good sign. Uh, who knows if this truck is possibly law enforcement or just a concerned citizen? LAPD has guns drawn, and the suspect has their hands out of the window. And hopefully, after we saw this pursuit go through a very dangerous phase on surface streets from Crenshaw Boulevard north of the 10. Hopefully we're seeing this thing come to an end here now. Yeah, I'm wondering about this, uh, this uh, the truck. You, you're kind of thinking, I hope that truck stays there, but I'm also kind of concerned for that uh, person inside the cab because if you yeah, they're asking they, him to leave. Yeah, just get out of the car. Exit the vehicle. They're telling him yeah. to get out. They're yes. telling him yeah. to get out. And these LAPD officers have to also be concerned of the drivers that were going southbound on Crenshaw. They're yelling at them to get out of the way too, to leave their cars parked and I get out of the get... way because there's the issue of him to exit the vehicle in a proper manner or at least uh, find a way to uh, his pants are you down. Know, help him crawl out of the vehicle some other way. It, it, it looks does like, appear you know, that the his pants are the stuck, sunroof. but here he, he is coming through. He's making... He's, he's crawling there. out. That was very he graceful. He rolls over, <laughs> and it does appear, sorry, you know, judging by this kind of behavior. No, yes. I mean it's 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 the highly dismount. unusual. It does appear that this suspect maybe. I, I mean, I've never seen. Well, I'll let you. I mean, we've seen the video, but this thing went on for way too long, and then even after this Good Samaritan helps out, it just took the cops forever to to get this thing done. But uh, let, let's bear with me here. We're in L.A. Pursuit of a robbery suspect came to an end with the help of a good Samaritan and his pickup truck. So on Thursday, LAPD officers, they're pursuing the bad guy for more than an hour on multiple, multiple freeways, according to the KABC reports. At one point, the suspect exits the freeway, starts driving on a busy street, which is what you don't want to happen. Uh, during the uh, uh, due to congested traffic, the suspect attempts to bypass by driving on the sidewalk, but he's unable to pass through. Now the suspect drives between vehicles, and he's still got the troops following at a distance behind him. But a gray pickup truck—I want to—I want to give this guy a hug and a kiss. A guy driving a gray pickup truck—he drives in front of our bad guy that's fleeing from the cops. He drives in front of him, he pins him. In fact, he even touches the the front bumper of the suspect's vehicle. Because there's a lot of traffic, the suspect is unable to drive his Mercedes past the pickup truck, and uh, the driver was ordered. Uh, the, the bad guy driver, not the good Samaritan, but the ga bad guy driver, he's ordered by police to exit the vehicle, which which was theatrical at best. So shortly afterwards, the suspect begins to surrender, and as he's climbing out of the vehicle, he gets stuck, or they think he gets stuck. He's got his feet hanging inside where the steering wheel is, and his his, his belly's hanging on the open window, and he's got his hands down on the asphalt on the on the road. It's just stupid. Yeah, George just slapping in the breeze. <laughs> you know, so he's hanging halfway out the vehicle's window for a few minutes. Helicopter video is showing all this stuff going on. The suspect eventually tumbles onto the road. He does like a somersault. He's taken into the custody when the cops finally move in. And, uh, you know, I kept saying to myself, where is the freaking police canine when you need him? But, of course, I think that they – decommission all the canines in California. But I'll just leave it at that. We got two and a half minutes, Randy. Take it from here. Yeah, you know, they're, they're so they're so gun shy. Man, maybe that's the wrong word to use. They're, the police officers in, in, in California, in LA, have been beat down so badly by their own administration and by the the uh, the, the politics of of police use of force that they are now you know, very hesitant to use the appropriate amount of force at the appropriate times. 
And so we're seeing, you know, the, the, these instances that that could have been handled, you know, five years ago would have been handled entirely differently and probably would have been wrapped up um, with a with a pit maneuver or some other, you know, forcible stopping technique. But you can't blame them. I mean, there's they're they know that they don't the department the, the doesn't have their backs and the and the district attorney there will charge them if uh, if they use anything that that remotely even looks like excessive force. So that's what we're seeing. I mean, but as far as the Good Samaritan goes, this guy saw he 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 did. I mean, he took his own life in his hands doing it. Uh, yeah. You know, this this could have turned this could have turned very bad for him. But um, I kudos to him and a big thanks. And I hope he gets a good citizen award. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the LAPD cops when this Good Samaritan's in front because. Because from there, from where they're at, I was waiting for them to reposition themselves because the backdrop, if they shoot the bad guy, if he produces a gun, because he's in the backdrop. It's our good Samaritan, you know, uh, in the pickup truck. And I'm waiting for the cops to move. I didn't see it happen. I mean, thank God we still have Tony McBride working for LAPD. They haven't run her off yet. So there, there is still hope. Good Samaritans and Tony McBride in L.A. But besides mm -hmm. that, Randy, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. If, uh, they're having a mass exodus of police officers there. And uh, just like, you know, many, many of the uh, agencies in California where cops are just, they, they know that they're up against it. And they're, and we're not seeing anything on the horizon that remotely looks like there's going to be a return to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. But I mean, just the bad guy hanging out of the car, he's got his hands yeah. on the asphalt, yeah. just going and just running and grab him. I mean, there's no, you can, you, he's pretty much spinning around. You could, I mean, he's not apparently armed, but they just want to sit there and watch. It's just got too many theatrics got involved in that. It just kills me. Um, wow. Well, look, uh, Randy, uh, that is, that's pretty much the end of our content, but Hey, uh, it's time to talk about the wounded blue. Leave me, uh, about 20 seconds at the end up here on the wire, but, uh, take over Randy. Well, the wounded blue is doing amazing things. We're our, we're the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled officers. And we're holding our third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit here in Las Vegas beginning tomorrow. It's going to be an incredible conference with some of the best speakers in the country about every aspect of surviving a, a law enforcement career. And if you are interested in, uh, in knowing more about it, please go to thewoundedblue.org. And if you can, hit that donate button. Give 10 bucks, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can afford to do. If you are a business and you want to sponsor the Wounded Blue, or be a, a corporate Thanks, Randy. donor, contact me. All right. Thanks to Motion DSP, AU Fire, Gauls, GlobalOrdinance.com, Gunner.com, on Medicare.life, Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Ryan Birch at TampaFP.com and RedVoiceMedia.com. Thanks, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.